Virtuous Men, a podcast devoted to sharing the... Welcome everyone to part two of Loose and Unscripted for season four of the Virtuous Men podcast. We're joined this time with our, our old friends, Ethan and Jared Thomas of Brothers Creed, who are the voices of Meriwether Lewis and William Clark throughout season four. Welcome guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. And we're all, I think we're all around the country again here tonight. Uh, Scott is in, in Georgia, I'm up in Washington, and you guys are in the Carolinas, right? Yep. Yeah, so yeah. This is we're a, all in a modern four, miracle. Four separate screens in four separate states. So that's as and that's the way it should have been all along. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so as we get started, um, I, I wanted to ask, are there any projects you guys are, are currently working on uh, for, for your podcast? Yeah, we, we, we are actually switching it up this year a little bit. Every month we have four episodes uh, generally, and then sometimes there's an extra episode, but generally we'll do. Uh, one episode that is an interview. Uh, so we've got lots of folks that are interviews coming up. In fact, this thing this next week we've got a, a guy who uh, is doing the own the carnivore diet. He only eats meat, so it's, hmm. it'll be a pretty interesting to meet with him. And we were actually already met with him, but just that episode is very interesting. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, the next thing we're doing is movie reviews, uh, which have been yeah. really fun. We've done I've a seen those so far. Uh, I think for. May we're doing Sisu, right, Ethan? Yeah, the new Sisu <laughs> movie that comes out. I came out. I am, am going to be right there to listen to that episode. <laughs> that was the most fun I've had at the movies all year. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, nice. It was so entertaining. Yeah, we did Super Mario's last, and then we did um, we did John Wick Four. That was actually mixed reviews, uh, but yeah, we've, we've been enjoying doing that one. Uh, and then we're continuing to do. We'll do like an attribute episode, like. Uh, I think the last one we did was hastiness versus uh, uh, like indecisiveness. Uh, and then we'll do an episode that is history. So we'll talk about something from history. So Awesome. I, I love it. You guys are just all over the board covering every <laughs> single topic you can think of. I love it. Yeah, all, of it I mean, your, all of it aims to building your personal yeah. creed. Yep. At the beginning, it started off as just looking into stuff that we thought was really interesting. And it's kind of continued continue down that path and and yeah. we found out too that other people find things interesting the same things that we find are that are interesting so right well cool well as as we get into this um into lewis and clark i the most important question i want to ask you guys is okay jared first what was your favorite episode <laughs> put you right on the spot oh man well first i want to say that this mini series that you guys did was really good um I mean, I know you guys are just two guys, but you guys aren't just two guys. I mean, this was a this was a work of art. This is like a Hollywood production here. Uh, it was <laughs> really good. I, I thought that uh, just it told the story very beautifully. I mean, this is just as good as any History Channel uh, you know documentary that there ever was. So I, I wanted to give you both kudos and, and commend you both for that. Great job. I, mean, I know there's a whole lot of work going into editing these uh, and, and bringing this out, and you guys aren't even really getting paid to do this so i mean it just speaks to the there's like a i think there's an underlying virtue there that it's just doing good for the sake of doing good uh mm. and i think obviously you guys are trying to grow your stuff and, and as you do that you can dedicate more time but i mean this is just great i just love love to see this so i'll start with that uh i think my favorite episode um i don't know man like they're all so different it's just like all different parts of the of the journey uh I kind of, 
like the last episode because oftentimes we hear about people, you know, just like snapshots of people's lives when they're doing their great thing, you know? And so I yeah. thought it's really cool to just see what happened to these people, what went down the line, what you know, Lewis and Clark, you know, the fact that Lewis just really kind of went downhill uh, and he really lost his mind, sunk into this deep depression or what was it that Clark called it? States of, oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I, I think it was Jefferson. Did he call it the hypochondriac affections or something like that? Well, maybe, <laughs> but that, and I remember that Lewis or Clark would say, like certain what that he realized that Lewis would feel certain ways, like he was feeling really depressed. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I find that so interesting that throughout this journey, he was a very adventurous guy. And then at the end, when that adventure was over, it was almost like he had explored, he had seen coast to coast and he's like, what else is there to explore? And then he kind of spiraled down into, you know, suicide uh, at the end there, which is debatable. Uh, some people debate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Spoiler alert. Geez. Hey, this is the this is the loose and unscripted. That's right. That's right. If you haven't already listened, I mean, too late. <laughs> so I, I thought that was cool. Also, like the one guy that was like ninety nine years lived till he's like ninety nine years old. Oh yeah. And Patrick he Gass. fought at like was it eighty nine in World War One? I? I was like, what? I mean, well, no, no, no. It was it must have been civil war. He, yeah. What did he? Uh, he volunteered for the the union in the civil war, Scott. Yeah, yeah. So when even when he was ninety years old and he had lost an eye, I think in the war of eighteen twelve. So he's ninety. He's lost an eye and he still volunteers for the union when the civil war breaks out. I mean, yeah, yeah, unbelievable, crazy. I mean, I mean, how good is that guy? You, how good is that guy? Really? But I mean, just for morale sake only, I'd love to sit around a campfire and hear that that guy's stories. From oh, yeah. 1812 and Lewis and Clark expedition. Tell about his adventures and seeing new places. I mean, that would have been wild. So I think the last no, one. Good, good choice. Good choice. <laughs> I, I think Scott did a phenomenal job of, of wrapping up all the whole season. Um, it's hard to do because there's just so much there. But yeah, I think he did a, a great job, Scott. Well done. Well, thank Very you. well done. Yeah. I, take, I feel like the ending is a really important part of every episode. I guess a good way of phrasing it is, so why did you do an episode about these people? And then the ending is kind of a way to sum that up when you yeah. realize you kind of look at when, you, when you've been on this entire journey and then you look at it again after everything has happened and after all the men have passed away. So what was all this about? And I feel like yeah. the ending of the whole season was kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Ethan? Yeah, so I, I agree with Jared. The last one was a good one, um, but uh, th th there's a couple that I really liked. And actually, I wanted to, when we kind of get into it, we'll talk a little bit more about virtues and stuff. I wanted to get into uh, Lewis and kind of the end of his life um, and how he was kind of feeling. I had a couple thoughts on that, but I, I liked, I, and maybe it's kind of a combination of, of both. You know, the first episode was kind of like the setup, right? And then I don't think it was till the second episode that they actually took off, right? Yep. Yeah, right at the start, the start start of episode two. And so I, I liked I liked episode two um because it was like I mean, just the wonder of they had no idea what they were getting into. I mean, it was like they thought there was what giant sloths and and like <laughs> things that they had never seen before. Woolly mammoths. Yeah. Welsh yeah, speaking natives mammoths and... and yeah. I mean it's just like all this crazy stuff that they were just like it, it they had no idea what to expect and then they started going up the river if i if i'm remembering correctly they started going up and then it was almost like immediately they ran into like extreme hardship and they were just like oh man we don't even 
like, is the whole thing going to be like this? And so uh, that one for me was just kind of um, almost a rude awakening. And and at the same point, I mean, they, they, they knowingly joined this party that the men and Lewis and Clark themselves, knowing that we might not make it back. We might die on this journey. And that's, that's such a, that is such a foreign um, idea to us today that, you know, it's like, I'm going on this journey. I'm not going to have any communication with anyone for the next, you know, or anyone that I, that I love, you know, and I might not ever see them again. You know, you, you will, you never go on a trip today unless maybe it's to war and even if yeah. if you're going to war, you could still call home occasionally and talk <laughs> to family members and and stuff like that. But it's just like, hey, I might be back in a couple years, or I might be dead, you know. <laughs> and yeah. that to me is just astounding. And so it was something that I, I liked that episode. It was just it, it almost seemed like the ball was just barely starting to get rolling. It's like this, you know, the the flywheel principle. Things kind of start slowly, but then. As they get going, they just pick up speed and pick up speed. And um, I mean, obviously, you know, the rest of the season, there's just tons of adventures. And we really what it seems like is that we really only have like a kind of a small glimpse of of what happened. I mean, I'm sure there's things that didn't make it into the journals or large gaps that that, you know, or other people had experiences and things like that, that that we don't know about. Um, so that's 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 what I liked. Scott definitely definitely did a phenomenal phenomenal job setting the whole season up and then wrapping it up. Did yeah, it, your your stuff was adequate, you know. Mine was adequate, <laughs> yeah. I I just covered, you know, the We don't know and and go prefacing that. I mean, <laughs> we we don't always know who's done which episode. So Yeah, I don't remember who That's did true. It. Yeah. Well, yeah, doesn't it, one of you yeah. do record it? Does the other one edit it and go through and add in like all the stuff or just is it solely yeah, we, we each do our own our own episode. So oh, okay. So if yeah, so we, if you think of it, I was gonna say if you think of it like this, it's like a sandwich. You know, you got the bread and the bread for Scott, but then I mean, Jamie, you got every, everything in the middle is all the good you got stuff, the meat, right? Brother. So I did. Yeah, I really did. Story. I think I got. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, I was the outer. I was the outer shell of the Twinkie, and you were the cream <laughs> filling. Hey, there you go. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean that, that first episode, like with the mosquitoes that were just so thick. Uh, and then, you know, he almost what was it Lewis almost fell off a cliff and died. Uh, like the first, <laughs> like the first week. That yeah, was well. And that's another thing too, is that um, this entire season was a gold mine for jokes <laughs> because that's something that we, that's something that, I mean, I do it way more than Jamie does it, but um, typically for the first draft of the episodes, I'll throw some jokes in there. And for this season, I just went all out with the jokes and it was beautiful. There, did. Was, there were so many moments, so many moments throughout the entire season where, or of my episodes where, yep, I got to put a joke here. It's too good. Now, so so Scott adds them in, and then I listen to the first draft, and then he, he usually takes most of them out. I think one or two have probably <laughs> probably been left in there every now and again. Well, there was one, so or the one that you and or Jamie, the one that you and I both did. So you know, Patrick Gas. So obviously, every time his name is mentioned, we put a fart sound. <laughs> When we were going through, there was so there was one. It was I think it was the fourth episode, Jamie. Um, yeah, yeah. Where was. you you would put you would actually put jokes in there, which I not 
expected you to do because you said i'm just not going to have time but you I had a little did. time so i had a... and you put and you did the fart joke thing for when patrick gas's name was mentioned but on the second draft you <laughs> forgot to take one of them out <laughs> and it was it was in the portion where you're talking about how they got really sick from eating the berries <laughs> and everything and how it led to a lot of indigestion and diarrhea and i was wondering did he intend to leave that in there because it's pretty hilarious and it actually kind of works so i asked him, like, disease and yeah. i asked him like did you mean to put this in here like did you mean to leave this in here and he was like oh shoot i forgot to take that out <laughs> i i thought about leaving it in there i really did because it's so perfect yeah but yeah i i figured it would take away from the seriousness a little bit but no, oh, like man. you said too, though, I mean, there's portions of the episode where you're where you're kind of just really coming to the reality of what these men went through to do what they did, and like I think facing the elements was obviously probably the largest one. So like when you talk about the mosquitoes, just putting those sound effects together and oh, imagining yeah. what that must have been like, and the fact that they could only ward them off by standing in the smoke of their fires and rubbing cow grease on their <laughs> bodies. Like it's just, can you imagine doing something like that? What exactly is cow grease, <laughs> or just like oh, grease like left fat. over from the from the meat? Fat, you know, fat, from okay, the cows, yeah. yeah, okay. That's another thing too that kind of amazes me about that part of their journey with the mosquitoes is that they didn't catch some kind of disease from them. Maybe that was one of your other jokes that at the end you were like, "Well, all the people died probably from some type of venereal disease that they got." <laughs> along the way from two of those at three different winters out there yeah right right oh yeah that that was another thing jamie pointed out he said your 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 word for this entire season is excessive fornicating <laughs> like that's like your that's like your narration catchphrase for this entire season i was gonna say that's, that's one thing that i thought was kind of amazing is that that kind of lewis and clark they both i i guess supposedly they both kind of abstained from all of that right they're yep. they're men kind of they they partook and, and there's even times where they went with the indians where the indians gave them like bedmates, right which are probably yeah. some of the prettiest yeah. women in the uh in the tribe and they didn't indulge in that they you know th that was just kind of a test to to leadership really um and it was you know almost sacrifice yeah. i guess to the men to say hey i'm gonna we're, we're gonna you know, show show a good example and be the be the leaders, right? It's almost a separation. Yeah, I mean, think of the the envy from the man if if the two captains are they get to go into the nice big TP with beautiful women and and they're just sitting freezing outside. I mean, think of the envy and the the mutiny that would start out of that stuff. So they they were yeah. probably smart enough to to say, no way, we're not going to get caught up in any of that. I, I would imagine that they were probably smart enough to know, yeah, there's a chance that we could catch this. And as military officers and captains and the leaders of the expedition, like if one if we get that and die from it, then then it's over. And wasn't wasn't Lewis was Lewis the doctor or was Clark the doctor? Kind of they they both Lewis was the primary doctor, but Clark did have some uh medical abilities as well that he displayed um if you remember in the fifth episode where on their journey back where they go to the nez purse um mm -hmm. they were barely they had they had barely any supplies to trade so instead he bartered his medical skills and then with by healing a lot of the members of the tribe with his skills they were able to stay with them and um and you know benefit from them was that when uh <laughs> 
was that when Lewis uh, he kind of made the uh the the hot shelter and then they would they would go from like the hot from the hot rocks and the hot stones into dip into the freezing water and then back and forth that was Cl- that was Clark who did that yeah where they made he, the, he built a, st- right? a steam bath yeah yeah That's which that, is amazing that cold, that cold exposure heat and cold exposure i guess was a yeah. thing back then too it's really amazing though then. It's amazing though, the, like the way that they did it was really amazing. Where they would um build, they would have this tent and they would build a fire and just heat the rocks in the fire, and then they would throw water on it and it would just make steam. And apparently, it worked <laughs> wonders. I mean, it's amazing, amazing that they were able to do that with such primitive technology. But I was gonna say one thing that I thought was like the most scandalous thing is just like the different tribe traditions that they would run up against, and you know, on the theme of like. You know, these guys having sex with these women, the one tribe where they went up against and it was like the women would sleep with all of the warriors and then their husband. Uh, It's always like, man, that is so bizarre that, uh, that, you know, I'm sure that just running into these types of cultures and like, oh, my gosh, you know, what is this? Yeah, they were Mm -hmm. weirded out by that. And then they got to the the northwest and the. The Chinook Indians, they would flatten the heads of their even their children. And I don't think I talked about it in the episode. That was episode four, but the the core, you can read it in the journal notes. They were particularly disgusted by that. That because they, you know, these kids had like a plank against their head tied super tight to flatten their heads. And they were really disgusted by that. So yeah, they they definitely ran ran into some cultural traditions that they were very put off by it also kind of went in the reverse as well so um i remember there was i can't remember if i mentioned it in the episode but in one of the pieces of research i did um i think it was when they came to the nez purse and um and they were very oriented around around horses like they had more horses than any tribe on the continent so they were very centered around the horse and they treated their horses with the utmost respect and um there was one incident, I think, where one of the horses was misbehaving or acting erratically, and one of the men in the corps whipped it to kind of get it back into get it back in line and was whipping it. And the Indians were just totally appalled by that, mm. seeing one of the men whip the horse. So you so you sort of have it both ways, where they were disgusted with some of the things the Indians did, and then vice versa. So, you, but you yeah. still, but that's what's also so amazing about it is that they were able to kind of see past those things and still have respect for one another. Yeah, yeah, that was the the theme of the the whole expedition. I mean, so many tribes and very very little conflict. One thing I thought was interesting that was kind of like a, a collision of worlds was they talked about the. The one tribe that was like a, a trading tribe, right? They had all the this huge market from everybody from Canada would come down and French, English, Canadian, like British. I, I could just think about how fascinating would that be to, to be at that market, you know, to, to go and have no idea what you could see. You could see something you've never seen before. And that's so exciting, you know. Sometimes when I go to like an auction, I'm like, ooh, there's I could find a treasure or something cool, you know. And there's a little bit of excitement there. But I don't know what it's like to go to like a market and possibly see something I've never seen before. Uh, yeah. And I could see something from Europe that I've never – I don't even know what that is or see something that some Indian found in the backwoods somewhere that who knows where it came from, you know. So that just sounded so so exciting to me. Yeah, I think that was oh, – yeah. the this, this Galoot tribe, they were 
kind of on the Columbia River on the way to the coast. And yeah, they were big, big traders. And they actually gave the Corps quite a bit of quite quite a lot of issues just because they they stole so much stuff. And it seemed like it was even meaningless stuff, but it was just how they were. They they, they kind of would help them and then they'd just go and steal some stuff. I'm like, well, I just I just helped you. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that's a really interesting point is that is the way that they viewed it like they didn't actually view it as stealing. They simply viewed it as compensation for the help that they gave. It's like those little guys on Star Wars with like, you know, that have like the, the things they drive across the desert and they like collect stuff. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm talking it, about, right? Exactly. The, the, the parallel like, is so guys. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also yeah. interesting, too, like whenever so when they spent the winter of um, 18 was it 1804 1805 i'm getting my timeline mixed up where they stayed at the mandan villages which was what who you were talking about uh jared that's that's where they stayed was the mandan villages where that was a huge center of trade and international commerce yeah and yeah. um and during the winter like it, they had this amazing system where one of the blacksmiths would would uh use his forging tools to make supplies for them or repair knives and blades and tomahawks and and they would build things for them and then in turn the mandan would give them corn which was their main diet and if they didn't have that system worked out they probably would have died that winter yeah so it's just this great this great example of these of these two tribes helping one another with their various areas of expertise and the technology aspect of it as well a couple things that one thing that I thought was it was interesting, um, kind of as you know, listening through the whole episode is, in, in growing up, we learned about the the Lewis and Clark expedition, and and um, you know, I remember learning about Sacagawea in school and and everything else, but I guess I, I never really quite understood, or maybe I had forgotten how much of a role she actually played in the the journey itself. I mean, without her, it, the whole thing would have fallen apart, um, which is kind of cool that they kind of formed this this relationship. And, and it almost felt like maybe before I listened to the to, to, to you guys season, it almost felt like she was there out of like obligation or maybe they mm-hmm. said, like, you have to come with us like she was like a prisoner or something like that. But. I mean, I guess she was married to one of the guys on the on the expedition that was kind of trekking with them as well, and and it seemed like she enjoyed it, and that she, I mean, enjoyed it to a certain extent, right, uh, as much as you can. But I mean, just one of the stories I thought was just crazy coincidence, maybe not coincidence, but was when they. Um, and I can't remember all the names or exact timeline, but whenever they came up to that one tribe and they were, they were all nervous and they were thinking that it was going to go bad and all sort of kind of stuff. But then the chief ended up being like her brother or yeah. something like that. I mean, what's the likelihood of that? And then it was just like instant acceptance into the group and love and happiness and everybody was getting along, you know, as much as they, as much as the cultures could meld. Um, I just thought that was crazy. And I mean, what what luck on uh, what luck on, on on Lewis and Clark's part, but also what luck on her part and her brother that they haven't seen each other in in you know years and years and years and years because of you know warring tribes and factions and captures and all this different kind of stuff. Yeah, so, pretty remarkable. Really, really cool. She, yeah, she got 
kidnapped and and yeah she hadn't seen her brother for years and years and um yeah just the fact that i'm sure she knew they would be going in that general direction um and that they were looking for the shoshone but to actually you know run into her brother who is the main guy helping the the core and and then also she meets the girl who was kidnapped with her and who had escaped before she did the coincidence yeah you're right i i don't think i don't think coincidence uh does it justice it's uh it's much more than that and um you're right i think she she is a really important place in american history and i think for a good reason i i agree before i really delved into the research on her i had kind of a similar thought that you know she she was on the expedition but it was more of a well you have to go and um the respect shown was just the respect that you know she was she was a native woman who helped the corps and that was kind of all there was to it but yeah there's so so much more um she's mentioned countless times throughout the journals um i think of the time where the, the canoe turns over and she somehow while holding her baby that's like grabbing these items and is able to stay you know afloat while the boat's tipping over and yeah didn't she save like the majority of the items as compared yeah, to she got all, all, all the small items, all the you know medicines and stuff. Just, I mean, think about if she hadn't done that, just that one instance, um, what yeah. a headache it would have been for the, for the, the captain. So yeah, her, her contribution was, I think Scott, you, I think you, you mentioned it in, in episode five, episode five, where uh, I think it's Lewis writing to Charbonneau and he says, we, we don't have enough to repay your your wife for the contribution she made. Like we we couldn't possibly pay her enough. We don't have it within us to pay her enough. She did, she contributed so much. Yeah, well, that was actually Clark that wrote that. But that's um, right. Yeah, Clark yeah. Clark was kind of closer to her, right? Yeah, yeah, generally, yeah. And whenever um when they divided into two separate groups, she went with Clark. And I'm guessing that's probably when they really started to kind of forge their friendship. And he was also really attached to her baby boy. And he even offered to raise him in St. Louis, which was a huge thing for a native boy to have, like an actual proper education that was unheard of. So it really, really, it really shows you, it really shows you how much he thought of her. Wasn't her husband a Frenchman? Yeah, he was a French fur trapper and he was kind of not really highly regarded by anybody. So he was kind (laughs) of he was simply I think the only reason that they hired him was because Chicago would go with him. So it wasn't that he it wasn't that they thought he was any anything great, but they thought they knew that she would be essential. So we hire him. He brings her and we're and we're good Hmm. in communicating with the Shoshone. Remember, so she spoke Shoshone and she spoke Hidatsa. Charbonneau spoke Hidatsa and French. Labiche, who was on the corps, spoke French and English. So that's how the chain went to translate from Shoshone to English. So Charbonneau didn't even speak any English? Probably spoke a little bit, but yeah, not not really. Uh. He spoke all all of his translation was French to one of the guys on the corps who also spoke French. I bet that dynamic was weird. Where like you have one guy who's got Did he have two wives or was it just at least one? He had two I wives. I think he had two, yeah. Was they were they both with him? Was there another woman there too? I'm no. pretty sure. Yeah, I was. I think Sakagawea was the only one. Yeah, they, she. They didn't. She want must to take have two. stayed with with the Mandans the whole time. So he's got. They, yeah, so that, that's kind of a weird power. Like he's got the wife. He gets the separate quarters. 
he gets, you know, <laughs> he gets to make a baby during this thing. And like everybody else, kind of, I don't know, I feel like if this, if this guy wasn't really liked anyway, you know, and these guys are like desperate for women, you know, that might be like, I could see how he would attract some ire. Oh, Maybe guy. that's why Charbonneau was so unpopular. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, "Are right, you guys have fun in your bunk tonight. I'm going to go to my bed with my wife. No, <laughs> guy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it is truly amazing though, that, um, that nothing happened between the members of the core and Chicago. Wea. Yeah. That I think, and that, that is an undying testament to the brilliance of Lewis and Clark and their leadership. Because they, they of course, knew that if there's a woman in the group, then that is instantly going to create some kind of problem or a potential problem with some of the men. And it could lead to something even worse. You know, it could lead to rape for all they know. Yeah. So not only is she, not only is she already married and has a husband, so that that kind of it's not like she's just kind of there by herself and she doesn't really have anybody. But the yeah. fact that they go to all the trouble to make separate quarters for her away from the other men. And I think. um I don't think it was in Fort Clatsop where they did this, but on their way to Fort Clatsop, the captains stayed in their tent together with them for that much more protection because none of the men would dare mess with her if the captains are there. Yeah. So it's like they went out of their way to protect her, which is pretty remarkable given the fact that they were in such difficult circumstances. Yeah, they they didn't want to get 100 lashes from Lewis again. (laughs) Yeah. For four nights in a row. Oh, it's, got, it's like the worst. Just I don't know how you could survive that for one thing. Like, I don't know, because when we think of lashes, we think of, you know, a cat of nine tails just tearing your flesh off. So I'm guessing it was more just um, belt. It, it, was, it was more <laughs> like just got uh, his belt off. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. It makes you wonder what the character of Charbonneau was. Like, was he a jealous man? Was he a was he like very protective, or was he very like possessive of his wife? You know, I, I think that his character would really be interesting to see in a dynamic of how. Yeah, you know, I, I I can't imagine he was very possessive of her because he allowed her to go do all this stuff and really allowed her to flourish. Uh, you know, some men would be would be like, I'm here. You know, I can speak these languages. You know, I'll do it. But I think the fact that he really allowed her to do that when she, maybe she was almost seen as like property to him uh, maybe that speaks a little bit to his character and that he wasn't possessive maybe he was uh, a better man than than you would initially think you know yeah you know, i think that, i think that's that, probably the case with all of the men is that we you know we, we the only thing we really have to go on is the journals yeah but right. if you were actually there with them you'd probably look at them differently so i, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the lines that you guys read. Personally, I, I think my favorite Ethan quote from Lewis was uh, it was in episode three. So they're just getting to the Shoshone village. They have a great time. They get all their plans sorted to get over the Rockies. And then Lewis has this just incredible quote about his 31st birthday. And he feels as if he hasn't accomplished anything. And you're just like, wait, 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 what? You, you've you've done all of this in your life prior to the expedition. You've got all of the men here. They've all survived except for Floyd, who had a burst of panics, most likely. They couldn't have saved him anyway. And and yet he just feels inadequate, like he's accomplished nothing. And I also thought it was really cool that he mentions he wanted to have something 
from his life benefit the next generation. So yeah, I just an incredible quote from him. And I thought, Ethan, you read it perfectly. Like you got the mood perfect and it just flowed so well with the episode. So very well done on that one. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a great quote. Yeah, I read that one a whole bunch of times. And I even like wrote down some of it for me personally because I, I just like quotes mm-hmm. and they kind of inspire me. I'm just like, yeah. Me being and one thing too, me being 33 years old as well, kind of in that same age range, it's like, man, it's it hit hit close to home. It's like, what am I doing to to prepare? Yeah. 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 Me, and me it, too. It says something too about his state of mind that he um, that he, I mean, he was, he was very clearly someone who struggled with depression. I don't think anybody would ever deny that, but the fact that he has accomplished more at age 30 than dozens of men would ever hope to achieve in their lifetimes. And yet he still feels that he hasn't done enough. It's just, it's pretty remarkable looking at it, looking at it now. What do you think? Maybe, maybe they thought they were just on some wild goose chase out in the middle of the woods that his buddy, president Jefferson sent him on. I mean, you know, maybe that's how they viewed it at first. And then and then now because it was successful, we've kind of immortalized that in our American culture and, and history that man, these guys are great because we love every every country loves great hero stories. And so we've kind of immortalized these guys. And then Jared, so your uh, your favorite quote of mine was um I was kind of torn between your ocean in view quote where you where they made where they make it to the the Pacific in episode four, and then episode five, where you're reading, it's Lewis, it's uh, Clark's letter that he writes upon Lewis's death. I thought I pro- probably that one is my favorite, just because the way you read it, you can feel just his anguish that his friend is dead, and it's almost like, you know, he kind of expected it, just because Lewis had been so depressed and had so much turmoil in his life. But yeah, I think you got the mood perfect for that one, and it fit perfectly within uh, Scott's Scott's ending. So, well done to you on that one. Yeah, thank you. I, that's the actually one I remember too. It's just like, you know, these guys are these guys are brothers, man. You know, mm-hmm. they, they were through the thick and thin of it, and you know, they were when you're near death with someone. I mean, that pretty much that's enough trauma bonding to make you brothers. <laughs> and exactly. uh, th- these guys were so close, and so. You know, I, I remember at the end when he was he had met up with Lewis or he had talked to him somehow and he was I, I think he met up with them and he was like trying to cheer him up and something and he's just like, Man, I hate to leave Lewis in this state of being so sad. Uh and I just kind of you know, just I just thought of my relationship with my brother, Ethan, and I was just like, Man, like I I can't imagine how sad that would be to to see your, your brother, someone so close to you in just such a bad state. Uh, you know, trying to cheer him up and trying to say, hey, you're doing a great job. We, we did this thing, you know, and, you know, Lewis is like, oh, man, my life's a failure. Everything I've done is a failure. And, and you know, just trying to reminisce and try to get up his spirits. But at the same time being like, I, it's not working. Like, there's nothing I can do here. Uh, and I just feel horrible that my best buddy, or in this case, nearly his brother, um, you know, was so sad. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, hit home for me. Yeah, that was the last time he saw him. Yeah, one thing for me, and especially in that last episode when we're kind of, you can tell that Lewis is kind of spiraling, right? And it's just, it's post-journey and he's spiraling. and, And to me, I almost got the impression of like, 
um, that during before and obviously he struggled with depression throughout the whole thing and everything else, but it seemed like before and during the the expedition, he was just strong. He was a powerhouse. He was a leader. He was, you know, he he gave direction and knew what he was doing. He had a goal and he had a mission. But then once that was kind of over, it almost seemed like it was a, I don't know, to me it was a travesty, an example of of maybe like a man without a mission or a man with idle hands um, is, it, it just kind of has a potential of falling in depression. He didn't have, he didn't have a goal. He didn't have something to keep him busy. You know, it reminds me of people that some people retire, or they stop working and then they die quickly um just because they just kind of lose motivation or desire to 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 do things because they're just idle um and so that for me it was just like it's just just staying busy um having a goal uh whether it's a you know personal goal of i want to do this this year or financial goal or whatever it might be but something that's always kind of keeps your your eyes on the horizon um, was something that I took away from Lewis's experience. Um, and like, hey, you know, sometimes if you just kind of, I don't know, if you if you lose sight of 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 what your mission is, then you can lose sight of everything. And I thought it was interesting too, kind of an antidote to that. He when he committed suicide, he shot himself twice. Once yeah. in the heart, once in the head. Yeah, in the head and in the chest. I was like, that's weird but interesting um unorthodox for sure yeah well, i think that's, that's, there's a mystery that's the main about. reason right yeah that's the main reason why people died it right because they, they're like well how do you do that how do you and the innkeepers like didn't find him until like the next day or something like that like they didn't and, hear it or something and she heard all these shouts and it, yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of weird things surrounding that um I don't know. I, I guess we'll never know, but um, certainly is is a good story for a lot of debate, a lot of controversy. It's yeah, definitely true. That was like what you were saying, though. It's definitely true that like he, you look at everything that he had on the mission, and then it was all taken away when they got back, and he's and and then and then the new roles that he's given are roles that he was not really well suited for. But um, and yeah. you could you can sort of blame Jefferson for that, but at the same time you can't really because you sort of look at where Jefferson's coming from. He's he's the one who authored the expedition in the first place, so he still has expectations for Lewis, and he probably thought that oh, if I make him governor or give him a political position, that's gonna that's a pretty high honor, and that's probably where he's coming from. I'm giving you these great honors, and. I think in a Stephen Ambrose's book, uh, Undaunted Courage, which is, I think, the best-selling book about the Lewis and Clark expedition, he phrased it perfectly where he said, Lewis was a brilliant military man, but a terrible politician. And you see that in that course of his life where he's given a more political role, and you can see that it's just, it is not, it's not who he is. And it was just, like, like I said in the episode, it was a recipe for disaster. Something at the the very beginning that I loved was when Lewis wrote the letter to Clark, it was kind of like the invitation of him to like come on this journey with him. 
And he was just like, there would there would be nothing more that would please me for you to come on this journey. Like, I'll make it worth your while. You can leave anytime you want. I'll schedule it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's part. just like anything, <laughs> anything you want, you know, come, please come with me. I just and and it was almost like he he didn't know if he would say yes. But then uh Clark's answer was like, Yes, I'm there. I'll do it. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm all in. I support you. If if you're the man that's inviting me, then I'm all in. And that that kind of that that was just like a a precursor beginning uh, insight into kind of the relationship that they had already formed beforehand, and that that uh, you know kind of moving forward, and I'm sure it just grew even deeper and deeper and deeper through this whole journey. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. wouldn't it be wouldn't it be cool to have a friend who you could write a letter to and invite him on this incredibly dangerous expedition? He's probably going to die, you know, um, there's no guarantees he'll come back uh, and you haven't seen him in a couple of years. And he just says, yes. I mean, that's that's a brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah, it really gives you it, it definitely provides some insight into the kind of bond they had where they could go years without contact. And Clark still says, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you sort of get this impression, too, like you touched on it, Jared, where um you, you you sort of get the sense that that Lewis almost wants him along for his friendship as opposed to his military abilities, which clearly he had those. But you almost get the sense that I just want you around because I like you. Like, I want you. I just want you with me. I, I want you to be near me. And he complimented his skill sets and he was aware enough to know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I to Lewis's credit is that he really gave credit where it was due. And he took care of his men, you know, even after they got back. And there was a lot of political infighting over the ownership of the journals or seeing that they got paid accordingly. Like Lewis, Lewis was that like when he was in his element as a friend, Lewis was the sort of guy you would want as a friend. Yeah. Despite his alcoholism and depression and tendency toward <laughs> melancholy, you know, aside from that. Yeah. And that's what that's why he needed he needed Clark. Yeah, it's almost like Lewis, you sort of get the feeling too that Lewis was really aware of these faults in himself and his ability to just spiral downward. And you also sort of get the impression that he wanted Clark around to pull him back out of that. Because I and I really think that with had Clark not been there, there's no way the expedition would have succeeded. Like yeah, I think just, just having Clark with him was enough to guarantee the success of the mission, just because Lewis was well aware that i i need you to keep me grounded makes you wonder how like you know when they broke off into separate separate paths a couple, twice the little ones on the way there and then once on the way back you know maybe the guys who were just with lewis they're like oh man you know maybe they were like <laughs> this guy for the next few weeks you know months um yeah it's always depression this and melancholy that and yeah. are we, are well, we it, there yet i i think very much lewis was a guy of extremes he was either like in the pits of depression and just hating life. And then he was just in the highs of let's go here and here and we're going to go explore this and check this out. And, you know, I think he had that just, um, I don't know, swashbuckling attitude of let's just go do this. And and then, as you say, Clark, uh, Scott, not Clark, uh, Clark had... <laughs> Clark had the more structure, you know, he was the structure in the expedition, whereas Lewis was the vision and they just, yeah, they worked perfectly together and in any good 
project. I think um, you need you need both of those. That's one thing I like about Clark, too, is that he seems like a very laid back individual. You sort of get the sense that he just kind of took things as they came like, oh, I, I didn't uh, like, oh, I'm not a captain. I'm a lieutenant. OK, big deal. <laughs> or or Lewis almost burned down a village because he didn't he had some stuff stolen. OK, I'll talk to him about it and then we'll move on. <laughs> like You just get it. the sense that nothing really phased him. You know, I mean, obviously things did. I mean, you could not be in situations like that and not be phased, obviously. But you just kind of get the sense that he just took things in stride and he just didn't really see it as this big, gigantic thing like Lewis did. Like, it's just, OK, we got we got a hardship. We'll get over it. You know, we're a team where we're going to work together. Whereas Lewis is just, oh man, this is the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I learned there's there's two like major things I, I took out of y'all's um, this whole season. So, uh, I, I want to share those before before we run out of time here. But one of them is that you know we call this the Lewis and Clark expedition, but I think that it's it's so much more than that. It's almost just like the story of how America. Americans mapped America. I mean, it's almost like Lewis and Clark, they were there, <laughs> but it's like it was the Indian tribes uh, that, and multiple occasions that kept them alive. Uh, okay. It was Takagawea. It was um, some Indian tribe letting them horses or, or, or letting, giving them food. And so we always, I think it, sometimes we simplify history and that we say, uh, you know, this was Lewis and Clark's thing. And then we're like, oh, and Sacagawea too. But like really, like all these benevolent tribes along the way, all the tribes that didn't just, even if they were benevolent, but they didn't kill them. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like every single one of them is part of this story. And so I feel like it's truly an American story because everybody helped. Uh, and it wasn't just these two guys. And, and you kind of think about that in the context of our lives too. And how, you know, maybe we think it, you know, we're just the, you know, we can do everything. Oftentimes, men especially will think, I can do everything on my own. I'm a lone wolf. You know, there's a lot of that mentality right now. Uh, but really, you, it's not just you. Everybody around you can affect you, and they can save you sometimes. Sometimes you'll be at the, you know, just starving to death and stumbling into a town, and then someone picks you up and says, hey, here's some food. You know, like, like it oftentimes happened in the story. And so sometimes I think as men, we need to be humble enough to accept help, uh, and that will help us along our journey. And that kind of goes along with the, with the next theme that I really took out of this is if you kind of look at it more from like a, almost like a faith perspective, and that the amount of faith these guys, these guys had to have to go through this, I mean, I don't think – I mean. I don't know if they expected from the beginning that they would be able to cross the entire country without any help. I don't know if that was their expectation, but it clearly did not go out that way, did not you know, end that way. And so they needed help all along the way in many critical points. And so it's almost like they had to learn to walk with faith that things would come, that things would, would be good. Now, and I feel like that's a lot of times with the path that we all walk is that Sometimes we don't know what's going to be down the road, but we just have to walk with faith uh, that we're, we're doing the right things we need to be doing. Uh, and then the, and hopefully the good consequences will follow. I mean, obviously, with a lot of these guys, some bad consequences follow. Like, you know, sleeping with some of the Indian women. Well, you're going to have syphilis for the next you know, six years or, or, or whatever. So 
I mean, those made the situation worse. But so in some cases, we can make our lives worse by the decisions that we make. But if we're just generally trying to, to do right, be good men, uh, be good fathers, uh, and walk with God, if that's who you want to walk with, then I think that we'll be guided uh, and we'll be guided to, to where we want to go. And our goal, if we know our goals and we have that rudder set, um, like Ethan was talking about earlier, you know, if we don't have a goal, then we're just going to be aimlessly going around. So if we have that goal, then we just have the faith to get there, to start walking, um, just like Lewis and Clark, we'll get there. Yeah, that, that is very much the, the American uh, mindset that that took hold, I think, after after the Lewis and Clark expedition, after they got back and everyone started to move west. Obviously, there's the, the tragedy of what happened to the Indian nations. Um, but I think the the good thing that we can take out of that is, I think you, you covered it in episode five, Scott, just all these people collectively saying, hey, there's there's something out there. I mean, these guys just came back and they didn't die. They they found something amazing out there. Let's Let's go see it. You know, let's these cities are getting too crowded. Let's let's move west and and see what what we can make of ourselves. And yeah, there's just such a I think that's that's a great American spirit to to take out of it. You're right. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen the um the Men Who Built America series, um, yeah. and the one that was specifically about uh, frontiersmen. And they talk a little bit about Lewis and Clark there, but one of the historians they interviewed said he summed it up so perfectly where he said the frontier is in America's DNA. Like the frontier is how we define ourselves. Like the actual frontier is no doesn't exist anymore, but the spirit of the frontier still is very much alive in the way that we define ourselves as a country. For better or worse, you're forgetting space, which is the final frontier. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was going to say that, but you beat me to it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've got uh, Elon Musk for that, right? That's right. Captain well, Lewis about... and Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ethan? What uh, What did you kind of take away from from this this season and just kind of the story of of Lewis and Clark and the yeah. whole whole crew? Um, I for me it was that. Um, uh you don't have to face challenges alone um that finding the right partner whether that be business partner whether that be partner in life or uh you know whatever it is i think finding the right partner is 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 good someone that supports you and loves you and is willing to say heck yes whenever whenever you you send the invitation uh, that was something that that really affected me, and um, just the just the challenge. I mean, these guys, they did not know what to expect. I mean, sometimes in 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 life and our modern comfortability that we live in, we are so risk averse, and we're we're scared to take risks, whether it's financially or or um you know in 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 life or a job or a house or an investment or um uh, having kids or whatever it might be we're like ah uh, you know i don't know you know i can watch a million youtube videos on it nowadays to see what it's like but i mean they they were truly going into the unknown and that is very admirable and if they can do something like that then 
what risks in in my life can I be willing to to take? And I would say for them that not just for them, I would say for us that risk was worth it. Um, and just the the growth and development that we received as a country and and just the history that it built for future generations that for me what 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 actions what are we doing what am i doing that is going to build the same type of legacy in future generations not just for my kids but for the community for my church for uh, my extended family um and so it it really made me think and i'm still thinking on um you know am i am i ready to go Am I strong enough to go into the fray, if it will? Yeah, I think one thing it made me think of, I, I read this this quote uh, this week, and I really, it was a great time, great timing. It made me think of the expedition and uh, the fact that all of these men came together and, and they realized their need for each other. It's actually from a book called uh, The Friendless American Male. And it kind of talks about the, the friendlessness and the, the loneliness um, that's kind of an epidemic within, you know, twenties uh, to, to forties men in this country. And the, the quote is one serious problem is the friendless condition of the average American male. And it's that men are, men find it hard to accept that they need the fellowship of other men. You know, imagine if they, if the core of discovery would have had that mindset, and they're like, no, I can do this by myself, or I can do this part by myself. They surely would have never made it to the Mandan villages, never mind to the Pacific and back. So I think it's a lesson for us. Um, I think loneliness in in you know middle middle age to you know twenties to forties, even beyond that, it's it's a huge issue. And I think we would be smart to appreciate the need that we all have for male friendships and you know if if you don't have any go get some you know i know it's hard it's hard making friends so to speak when you're you're older you're you're not in school but it's necessary and it can literally save your life as it did with with the core so um yeah I, i think that's that's the main message i take from it is um Everyone needs a band of brothers, you, no matter what you, you need, man, you can call um, for the big things and the little things. So, um, yeah, just a, a message of encouragement to to all men to not forsake that in your life. Amen, brother. Absolutely. And I appreciate you guys and and how we've become friends over over Zoom. And I, I hope, <laughs> Scott, you get to go meet these guys real soon. Well, yeah. That's true. That's true. It'll happen. Take you whether, whether you want it to or not. It'll happen. <laughs> we get some barbecue or something. You. <laughs> like now, if I could just find where they live. Hey, I'll give you my number and you can text me, and then we'll have you over. And my wife will make you a home cooked meal. Yes, look at that. That's what I'm talking about. Haven't had one of those in far too long. <laughs> hey, it'll Man, be good. <laughs> will Will it be a recipe from the Lewis and Clark cookbook? Hey, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's see. Uh, some Let's woolly see, uh, boiled elk and crushed rattlesnake rattles and oh gosh, there's yeah. got to be or something no, else. No, yeah, is it, uh, yeah right. one of those 
one of those snakes that gobbled like a turkey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had such a great joke there that I wasn't able to put in. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I at that point, I was getting way too overloaded with jokes, and I just thought, Jamie's not even going to laugh anymore like i got i got i, I got i was back. starting to wonder like what, what does scott spend more time on the jokes or the actual <laughs> episode <laughs> although to be fair i did the jokes like months in advance before we actually recorded anything so i had them all ready to go so oh, i actually man. i actually did dedicated the i actually did the necessary work we're, we're gonna you have should to just do it an episode no, go, go a joke episodes that's what i was gonna say yeah we, we have to come out with a, a scott's gags episode and you, we just show all of your various jokes it would be a long episode you've had so many so. right and filled with uh copyright infringements bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it well guys it's been a pleasure as always i really appreciate you guys not just joining us tonight but uh, i know it took a long time to, to read all of those quotes it was pages and pages of quotes for the season we really appreciate it and i think it really added to our overall season it, it wouldn't have been as good without the coach from you guys so thank you very much You're thank welcome. you for the invite it's great to be yeah. a part of something so cool what you guys are doing yeah and uh listeners if, if you want to check these guys out it's at a brother's creed uh wherever you listen to podcasts uh look for the yellow graphic with the two hands and a manly shake <laughs> and uh you guys are on youtube twitter instagram everything right Pretty much, we don't we don't we don't do anything on Twitter, but we're pretty big on Instagram and, and TikTok. Uh, yeah, well, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we'll be there. All right, thank you guys, and we'll get together soon. All right, all right. Thank, you. thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to part two of Loose and Unscripted. This marks the end of season four. If you enjoyed this season. Please share the episodes with a friend, and if you'd like to see this podcast grow and take on even more challenging topics in the future, you can help us by leaving a review on Apple Podcast and subscribing to our YouTube page. We'd also love to hear your questions and comments. Drop us a DM on our Instagram page, or you can email us directly at virtuousmanpod at gmail.com. That's virtuousmanpod. After a summer break, Virtuous Man will return in the fall for more stories of virtue to inspire you to keep living the virtuous life.